Charlie, and welcome to the podcast that's about to take your faith on a delightful and slightly unpredictable journey. That's right. It's time to dive into the world of messy antics. Now, if you've ever found yourself caught between the matzo cracker and the communion wafer, you're in for an absolute treat. We're here to chat about all things messianic in Torah, and let me tell you, it's a roller coaster of divine proportions. Think of us as your trusty guide in this biblical amusement park. We're going to explore the highs and the lows, the holobread wins, and the wandering in the wilderness fails. Get ready for candid conversations, guest appearance by prophets, well, maybe just their descendants, and discussions about what it's really like to walk out this whole word of Adonai. So whether you're a seasoned sukkah assembler or you're just wondering about what on earth is a mezuzah, join us for some laughter and maybe learning a little bit about this holy chaos. After all, life is messy and faith is full of antics. Well, hello, we're back, we're back, and I get to, I mean, I feel like every week I say this, but it's really true. I get to interview today one of my favorite people, and it's not just because of her love of the Father, the love of His Word, the love of all the things, but if when you, I had the privilege, when I was asked to come and speak at her congregation to actually be gifted uh, a massage from her, so, and it wasn't just like, oh, I went to a massage therapist. It was just the um, the amazing anointing that this woman has. I'm like, how do you put this much talent in one person? I don't even know. So let me introduce you, and then we'll talk more about that. But but I'll just say that was the best massage I've ever had. So prophetic, so healing, so amazing. So here we go. Denise Hefner, she's this artist that's amazing. She's the massage therapist who has spent most of her life in ministry. Her childhood was in Asia alongside her missionary parents and her twin brother. Returning to the U.S. for college, she received her B.A. in international business, encouraged by her then friend and now husband, Adam, to pursue a Torah lifestyle in 2008. She fell in love and hasn't looked back. Her passion is to personally live and disciple others in kingdom lifestyle in anticipation of the return of Yeshua, our bridegroom. Adam and Denise have had the privilege of serving as servant leaders with the Branch Sabbath Fellowship in Colorado Springs since 2014. Denise, thank you for being here on The Messy Antics. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. And I just, again, in front of everyone and or whatever, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for that massage. The other thing is that when we, so we may get too busy to say this, but you have to stalk her because you can commission Denise to do these beautiful prophetic um, paintings for you. She did one for me for my daughter. Just an amazing artist. Tell us a little bit how art was important to you. I kind of know this story, so tell us oh. a little bit about. That. Oh, Charlie. All right. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try not to go. That could be just a whole rabbit trail itself, you know. Um, <laughs> arts. I, I always loved some level of art just as a hobby, but I. Um, Throughout my childhood and young adult, I really genuinely believed I wasn't creative. And I had a phase of my life where God started convicting me that I really needed to pray against a spirit of control in my life. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you not your area at no, all, right, no, Charlie? I know a good book about that. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly, as I prayed about it, God really revealed to me that one area of control was this self-protection and this strange defense I had in my own mind and that I was scared to let him use me 
in certain ways. And I was telling my mind what I would and wouldn't allow. And in saying I wasn't creative, I was saying, no, I will not go that direction. And literally, I started repenting and asked God to remove the spirit of control. And it was the first time in my life I started getting images. And I was late 20s at that point. And I and it started with the feast days. And I I started painting and haven't stopped. I mean, and she has the most beautiful. When you go on her website, you can order cards, beautiful cards you can give to people. I would show you one, except for it's packed in the garage. But I have one of her beautiful, I mean, they're, they're so beautiful that you just, it's almost like you could want to reach in and reach in and not just touch them, but you want to be part of them. I don't know. This, you have such a oh. gift. Thank you, Charlie. That means a lot. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm sure it's hard. And of course, I had the privilege of being in your home and seeing things up close and personal that are even more amazing than, than a, you know, this little card. But so tell us, you you we hinted in your... In your, in your introduction, you kind of hinted here about your introduction to Torah, introduction to finding Yeshua in this, you know, I will say we're Bible purists, right? Right. Tell me, tell me the story. Tell me how this happened for you. Um, yeah. So I really, I really started walking a Torah lifestyle in college. So yeah, back in 2008, um, is when I went to the first messianic congregation I'd ever been to. And when the feast days got opened up to me, looking back though, I really think God was planting seeds all through my life. Um, you mentioned, you know, I was a missionary kid. Uh, I grew up overseas and I remember having these interesting moments. Um, like I remember being very convicted on Sabbath, uh, after, after having connected with some personal family friends who, they wouldn't do homework or wouldn't go out on Sunday. Um, and I remember trying it myself and struggling. And there were just all these little, like, I wrote a college entry um, essay on the Ten Commandments. And I, I was a believer my whole life, but I was, you know, Bible church, um, non-denominational. And, but there were these little, little pieces and my parents my parents really taught me a lot about prayer and personal relationship with the Lord. So in college, when I started doing a Bible study with my husband, uh, didn't know he'd be my husband eventually, but it was one of the best Bible studies I'd ever been a part of. We literally met every day between classes and read through the one, um, read through the one year Bible together. Wow. And from that, I, I highly recommend people try that. I know it's, time consuming, but it's amazing to do that with a small group of people. And from that, I got to know Adam and he'd already been walking Torah for a couple of, maybe a year. And, you know, of course I did the thing everybody does to us like, oh, are you Jewish? <laughs> but, uh, went to the first messianic, went to a messianic congregation. And I just, I just had this sense of I'm home. It was a small fellowship. The praise was just so father glorifying. Um, I loved the prayer for the children. And as I started studying, I just, I just remember having this feeling like so many of my little questions, um, that I had felt a little guilty answering all got answered. Um, or I, questions I felt guilty asking all got answered 
and that there were answers to some of these questions and there was a different level of depth. Um, to my shame, right before that season, I really, I really felt I was serious about my faith, but I felt like I'd gotten to a season where I pretty much knew it. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced one of those seasons like, yeah, I've been in Bible study my whole life. I've been in ministry my whole life. I There's not really that much more for me to learn. So, so coming to Torah was actually this humbling experience for me. Like, oh, you don't know it all, Denise. Okay. Um, deep, but in deep, the most deep, beautiful, deep. gentle, it, it all felt like a gift. It wasn't a very harsh transition for me. Um. It just felt so right. And I just absolutely loved my first feast season. I think I think for me, it all started with Sabbath. And then Yom Kippur, I think, was the first Moed that I, yeah, that I honored. And it just, it just kept going. What yeah. would you say um, in that process, what would you say was one of the biggest things that you might have struggled with? <sighs> Yeah, probably, I mean, probably how to, how to deal with the relationships. Um, actually, no, the biggest thing for me to deal with was realizing I didn't fully agree with my father theologically. Oh, yeah. And I am fine with this being on video and podcast, but if I tear up guys, I just... I just lost my father not that long ago. So Charlie, be prepared for some tears. <laughs> Nuts. It's, it's, and I'm all it's, good with that, but you're it's warned. Fresh. It's fresh. Um, but it was, that was an important part of my maturing as well. But that was a hard break for me because he was always kind of my theological center. Um, he, was he, was he was true north, right? He was true he was north. True north. Thank you. Yeah. So actually breaking from that and disagreeing with him was, and he was, he was very wonderful and gracious to me. I actually remember him saying that his biggest desire was to know that I was genuinely seeking God and he believed that I was. So that was a gift, but that was very, that was a hard transition for me. Um, not nearly as hard as that, but I do remember struggling with a lot of confusion early on because um, it took me a while to realize I, I was interacting with a few different classes of people. So I had a Jewish messianic friend who was serving me pork while teaching me about Torah. And then the Gentile messianic friends, there was just a level of confusion from the people, mm -hmm. um, which probably led me more to reading scripture for myself and trying to figure it out myself. So that answered my question. My question was like, so how did you find the answers? And, and, uh, it's great when we're, when we actually go, Oh wait, what's the source? Are we yeah. ask the right questions to the, to the one who had the, the Holy, the Holy spirit that will guide you in all truth. Right. Amen. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. tell me in this process, you've kind of, you know, one messy part was, I know that your father and, and mother like lived with you to, for quite a while and yeah. would get, I'm sure that got messy sometimes. Is there anything, any stories you have, or do you have stories you'd like to share of when this process got a little bit messy? You know, that it's true. Yeah. My parents um, have lived with us. My parents lived with us for six years. Um, 
you know, that's really not a messy story, but I, I do love sharing that because while we didn't agree about everything before we agreed to all live together, we all talked about what we needed to honor for each other. And I would just encourage anyone dealing with multi living in a household of many family units, how important that is. And my parents have really honored our desire to honor Shabbat and not have certain things in our house. Um, and it's been, it's been a, a bonding thing, even where there is some disagreement. Um, I think some of the messy places, especially those early years, I think we all had messy places like our first fee couple of fee seasons. Um, yes. And I was, you know, I was a college student. I uh, shared an apartment with two other girls. And I look back and I, I think how silly and how <laughs> so completely non-orthodox any of my things, anything that I did was, but it's, I think they were so pure and joyful too. Like, so my first, my first moed was Yom Kippur. And actually, Adam, um, my my husband, he was my friend then. He invited me to go camping with him and his friend for Yom Kippur, and okay. I knew nothing about any of this, just that it was a big deal. And we we didn't just go camping; we went backpack camp backpacking. We put backpacks on and hiked down into this ravine to camp for Yom Kippur. Freezing cold, lots of work. I don't know that I would ever do that on. <laughs> I don't think I fasted that year. I don't think I knew we were supposed to do that. Um, probably not a good idea to hike like that and fast all at the same time. But I woke up the next morning and we went and we did a mikvah in snowmelt Colorado ice water after a night of freezing cold camping. And we go and we jump into this snowmelt. And, but it was one of the most amazing Holy Spirit's moments um I've ever had and that was my first Yom Kippur and then I think I followed that Sukkot I'll still remember I, I lived in an apartment with two girls I had nowhere to put anything and I didn't know what to do our community wasn't doing a group sukkah so so um I'm pretty sure I put up my camping tent in our living room like right in our living room by the fireplace and my roommates thought I was crazy but I'll never forget. I remember explaining it to my roommate and she explained it to her. She, she just laughed. Uh, she, she didn't feel like it was something for her, but I'll never forget. Her fiance asked her what I was doing. And she comes back and tells me later how she explained everything to him. And he looked at her when she's done explaining my crazy tent in our living room. And he says, huh, well, why aren't we doing that? And <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So I had no idea what I was doing, but I threw a tent up in a living room. I went diving into some weird living water, <laughs> confused a lot of people. I do you think wish, honored do you God. Think sometimes you wish you could go back. You probably wish you could go back yes. sometimes to the simplicity yeah. of that, right? Oh, it, that's yeah, that's exactly it. I look back and I think, oh, you didn't know you shouldn't have done this or you should have done it this way. And then I realized it was just such a pure, simple. I just I want to honor God and I want to honor his Moedim. Mm. And, and I, I promise you, you know how proud and how, how much he loved that probably more than sometimes when, or if not all the time, then we're trying to just do it all the right ways and, and be so religious about it. But when it's so pure, from yeah. our hearts, one of the things I learned that I love so much about this mindset is that 
if your heart is so sold out that you, you, you're like, I just want to do this, but I don't know how it's as if you did it correctly because your heart, when he says he knows our hearts, if you can't get off work for whatever reason right now, and you've just been, your heart is to just honor Shabbat and you just want to, it's as if you did it because you want it so bad. And, and I, and he makes a way and it's the coolest thing that happens. Same thing happens when you just want to do something so bad for him, but for whatever reason you can't, if it's giving, if it's whatever it is, I believe today might change tomorrow that it is as if you did because he truly sees your heart. Now you can't just be like, oh yeah, I want to do that. Wink, wink. No, I mean, you have to just want it so bad. Like you did. You just wanted to please him. Yeah. And I just can't imagine, you know, well, how I, cool. Imagine your nieces wanting to please you so bad yeah. and drawing you this picture. And here you are, this amazing artist. And they're, they've used like your best paint or whatever. There's part of you like, all, and then, but you see their heart and it's so beautiful and sweet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love something that you said. Um, I just want to encourage, you know, if you if you have that heart, if you desire to please him and honor him, don't be scared to ask for him to make a way. Yes. He is really good at making really surprising ways. Um, he opens up doors you'd never think to look through, uh, to look at. It's it's amazing. I think sometimes we get it fixed in our minds like this looks a certain way. So if I can't do this to the T. I'm not doing it at all. Do everything that you can and ask him to open up unexpected ways. Cause he's so love he's it. just amazing at that. I so love and I love that you put the tent inside your living room. We've told that with families, yeah. like when they have kids and they can't just put the tent up or make a fort, put the chairs sure. in the thing and make the fort. The whole point is for you to that acknowledgement during that time is is we're practicing. We're it's just a we're practicing. practicing. It's a rehearsal. It is just a rehearsal. It's practicing. And I yeah. just think it's beautiful. That's so fun. I love that so much. It's a practice. And honestly, the way you miss it is just not to practice it. It's not yeah. going to be a perfect practice, but yeah. Absolutely. I have to say, I have to share something that just recently happened. And we, I just uh, um, interviewed um, Aaron uh, Scott. And when I was interviewing him, when it, I have an issue with something. And so here, everyone, here's my laundry. There's something that I'm struggling with. So I grew up very... Uh, evangelical. I grew up very, uh, probably not really, not liturgical in any way. So I struggle with liturgy because mm -hmm. it is so foreign to me. So there's one section of uh, service in many Messianic congregations, in Jewish congregations, but especially in Messianic congregation where I've attended, where they'll pull the Torah down and they you know, they parade it around and everyone reaches out and kisses it. Does that, I don't know why, but that was always something that has just, I've struggled with it because to me, it seemed very, I'm not going to say, well, it seemed like things in like, I would think when I was a kid that like the Catholic church, like, Oh, that's so liturgical. Yeah. That's so weird. I don't understand this. So when I was sharing this, we didn't record. So what he said to me was this, because it's about the practicing. He said, it's a practice. And I don't want you he goes, just maybe I can share it with you. You'll see it differently. He said, they, so if you're listening, maybe you've struggled with this because I feel like I'm apparently I'm the one who's bridging the saying all the things that some of us are just thinking. So if it if it's weird to you, here's what he said. You there when God had Moshe bring the word, the Torah down from Sinai, he didn't leave it up there. He brought it down to the people. 
So it was raised up and then was brought down to the people. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. He's like, he goes, no, no. He goes, and then when Messiah returns, he's not going to stay untouchable. He's going to be down with the people. Mm-hmm. And when he came, the first time, when he came to this planet Earth, he yeah. came to the people. He was the Word become flesh. So when that, when the Torah comes down and people are saying, it's like Jesus. Oh, it's like Yeshua. Then people are reaching out, touching it. He goes, when he returned, you're going to be a slobbering mess trying to reach for him to grab a hold of him. This is a practice so that you understand the protocol when he returns. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love you sharing that because I used to struggle with that too. I went back and forth on whether, you know, stand back. I'm not okay with this. Is this, I, you know, is this kissing a graven, an image type thing? Yeah. Yes. But yes. I love, I love how you, I love how you put that. Can I just, can I encourage everyone ask the questions? It's okay for you to not be okay with something. It's okay for you to say, I'm not Jewish. I don't understand this. This seems really Jewish to me. This I'm not comfortable. This is too liturgical. And ask the questions. Ask the questions. I've gone back and forth like you. I don't know how you, I've gone back from fully Bible purists. Like we're not doing it unless it says it in the Bible. That's all yep. we're going to do. Shabbat, we're not doing it. It doesn't say light candles. So we're not lighting candles. We're not doing this. And then we realized that part of beautifying Torah was yeah. it, was doing some of these things that helped to beautify Torah. So for us, lighting candles, just we needed something to delineate between holy and, and yeah. common and, and set apart. Yeah. We, we needed it. It wasn't that it was dictated. So that's what some of these things, some of you maybe in your past needed to wear a cross necklace around your neck, or you needed to put a bumper sticker on. You needed something to remind you how to behave, or you needed something to remind you of who you were. It's really no different, right? I don't know if you've ever um, experienced this, but I I think of that with the whole feast season. I think there's an interesting progression to how the feasts are. And I really love with the throwing out of the leaven at Passover. To me, it it strikes me as this simplifying of our faith time, throw out some extra. And I personally like a time of simplicity. And there there are seasons I feel like God calls me to Bible purism. But um. But then there's also this time of building and growth and and letting the the bread rise. You know, in Pentecost we bring the the loaves that are um that are leavened. So there is I I really think it's important to have those seasons of question and consistently there's a reason we do the Moedim every year because we need to ask questions and we need to relook at his ways every single year. So I feel like I question I mean sometimes I question everything I believe um, on a regular basis, but I think that's actually a really good process. Just like getting rid of the leaven and starting over with the new, the new lump is an important process. So good. That is so good. I, I love that picture because you're saying, here we go. We got rid of all the leaven. Then we have Pope bring the leaven back and we bring these, we bring these beautifully risen uh, pieces, these loaves of bread. And then we go into, then we fast. It's like we have a party and then we fast and then we have a party again. So there's these cycles of abundance and cycles of, of reevaluating. And, and it, he loves us so much. Like he knows we need constant reminders. Yeah. It's just those, it's reminders, it's practice. It's so many, it's so dimensional. 
And so doesn't and I'm sorry, I just, it just gets back to control no. again, right? God, we we want to just say, okay, it looks like this. I got it right. But God has this. No, let go. Season shift again. Let go. Another change. Let go. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep journeying together. The cloud is moving. Pick up your tent and go. That's good. That's it. That's yeah. it. Are we are we living with 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 uh you know ready to get up and go? Are we ready right. for when he says? I was reading first reading for Samuel today, and I was sitting in that. And, and when Eli is telling Samuel, go back and say, you know, here I am, say his name. Mm-hmm. And I, I had so many questions, but yeah. I'm like, am I, first of all, where, if anyone's, if anyone's listening, I have some questions. So I need these answers. Where was Samuel sleeping? Because it says he was sleeping where the ark was housed. So I didn't, really, where was he sleeping? Was he sitting with his head up against the menorah? Was he hanging around like trimming wicks? Like I thought that was priest's job. And it said that it was in the time when the word was, was you know, it they hadn't heard from God in a long time. And it says that Samuel didn't know really know him. And he didn't know the word. So he and he didn't know his voice. And I had so many questions today, just sitting that I'm like I have. I've read, read this so many times, but today I ask a lot of questions because more and more I'm giving myself permission to ask questions. And I'm asking today, am I positioning myself close to the ark? Am mm-hmm. I ready? When he says, get up and go. Am, am I positioning myself? Am I, and it's okay if I don't know his voice the first couple times. And it's okay. I want to make my sure I'm around someone who t- can tell me a mentor who could say, no, no, next time you hear it, here's what you do. Because I may not know. And it's okay if I don't know. And it's okay maybe if you have a child or a friend or a relative who is prodigal and you're like, they don't know. It's okay because the Holy Spirit will come not through. It's okay if it's messy. It's okay if it's messy. Um, When I first started this journey, uh, I was not allowed to ask questions. And when I did ask questions, because I was a why girl, I was kicked out of things, kicked out of a couple churches, only because I was asking the pastor why questions. Well, why? Tell me, I don't understand. This doesn't line up. And I just wanted to know. I wasn't questioning him. I was questioning what, so I understood the why. And for the first time in my life, I remember being able, it was okay for me to ask questions. And so I wrote down everything I believed cheap notebook, wrote everything. Jesus is the son of God. I wrote everything I thought I believed. And I have systematically gone through it and said, do I still believe that? Does this pass through the fire? Is this truth? Or was this a religious thing that I was indoctrinated? And it's okay to do that. That was, that was a huge part of my, of what I experienced entering into the messianic movement. The Torah, Torah movement was And I don't think anybody even explicitly said it, but I remember having this feeling that if I questioned, my belief wasn't strong enough. So did I really believe? And I remember having this just deep fear of, wow, I have so many questions. I must have really pathetic faith. And when I started walking in Torah, all of a sudden, what what you just said, all of a sudden I realized that God was big enough to handle every single one of my questions. And he doesn't always answer every single one, but... Actually, my favorite verse um, to this day is Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to God, 
but what he has revealed belong to us and our generations forever to do them. The secret things do belong to him, but we can ask him. And he loves to reveal things. It's okay. Hey, you know what? I think that, um, I think it's a good place to stop because I think I want to, we want to encourage all of you today is that I want you to be encouraged today to uh, ask questions, sit down and write them out, find someone safe to ask questions to, and, you know, reach out to us. We can point you to, we have, we know so many people who are just verily safe. They can handle your questions. And if you're questioning someone and it's maybe feels like a theology that you're questioning and they're offended because you have now rattled their theology, consider that maybe their faith is rooted in the wrong thing. Because if your faith is in your theology and when someone questions it and you're rattled and you get mad, consider that that might be something you should, you should take to the father. Because now if they're questioning who is Yeshua, who if they're questioning the, the existence of God and that kind of gets you like, cause you, that's, that's your, that's who you are. And this is what you believe, but not theology. Does that even make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. I just want to, we want to give you permission to ask a lot of questions. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions and, and uh, the best leaders have the best questions. They just keep, they'll just keep asking you questions. Yeah. Agreed. Because yeah. Denise, I think we both can agree now. The more we know, the more we realize we don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> the humbling process continues. It continues that that the Torah is a deep well of cool, refreshing water with no bottom. Yes. Yeah. Blessings. Yeah. yeah. So tell us, normally we do this fast round, but instead of that today, I want to ask you to tell us all the places that we can find you and and the things that you're working on now that they can reach out to you and maybe be part of. Oh, um, okay. So I do have a website. It's uh, uh, denisehafner.com. Um, I do have a Facebook, which I really need to actually try posting on occasionally. So this is, you know, good accountability. Um, <laughs> feel free to send me a message saying, hey, I don't, I don't see recent posts. Pretty sure you've been painting something. Um, I do. Yeah, I do have Instagram as well. And on your on your website, you have you have your store and everything on your website, correct? I have my store on the website. I'm working on revamping the website right now because um, I'm trying to figure out what to do. I've started putting together. So this, I'd appreciate prayer for wisdom in. I've started putting together um, kind of an audio guided gallery with my paintings. Oh, nice. Um, okay. And I've done I've done that. If you're in Colorado area, I actually have done that in my own home. <laughs> with old school, like MP3 players. And I have audio and kind of devotionals that go with every single painting. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that virtually. So yeah, so things will be changing on my website a bit. That's exciting. But, so we will put all that in the, in the show notes. So we'll make sure you, so that way you make sure you spell her name correctly. When you go in to find Denise Hefner and you're going to go to denisehefner.com, you're going to go in there, all of you sell her out so that she has to like make all new things, buy all the stuff. Um, thank you for being yeah. such a blessing to us all, to the kingdom, sharing thank your gifts you. with the kingdom. Would you pray for everyone as we leave? I would love to. I would love to. Uh, Abba Father. Lord, above all, we thank you. We thank you, Abba, that you have called us into relationship. 
We thank you that we can have genuine relationship with you, bringing our questions, our fears, our joys, our triumphs, our failures um, to your feet. We thank you that you are trustworthy and true. And Father, I just I just ask that you would um, give courage to your daughters, to your sons and daughters um, who hear this message, to your sons and daughters who are seeking you. Give courage to ask the difficult questions. Give courage to... Um, to walk forth in truth, even, even when it is challenging. Um, Father, we just, we ask for more of your truth. We ask for more of your ways and we declare that it is good. And we, we thank you for calling us to be a part of it. In Yeshua's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us. We didn't get to talk about your your personal retreats, you guys have to go. She also, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you can see that on her website, but you can go on Amazon yes. um, also and look up her book on personal retreats. A must do. It will change your life. I've heard her teach this. It's amazing. A whole nother podcast we have to do just on this. Thank you, Denise, for being with us. Thank you so much, Charlie. And, and everyone, thanks for being here. And remember, sometimes walking this all out, it gets a little bit messy. And that's a wrap on another Messiantics adventure, my fellow spiritual adventurers. From splitting red seas of laughter to stumbling upon mana mishaps, we've truly experienced the full spectrum of Messianic marvels and Torah tales. Remember folks, as we navigate the sometimes bewildering but always beautiful path of faith, it's okay to have a few loose ends along the way. Embracing the messiness of life is what makes our journey genuine and our connection with Adonai so meaningful. Before we go, let's take a moment to thank our incredible guests who shared their story, insights, and aha moments with us. And of course, a big thank you to you, our amazing listeners. Without you, we'd just be folks sitting in here with a microphone, and that's just not as fun. We'll catch up with you next time on Messy Antics, where the Torah is our compass and laughter is our guiding star. Stay joyful, stay curious, and may your days be filled with blessings that are as abundant as manna in the wilderness. And help us out by liking, subscribing, and leaving us that five-star review.